Okay, everyone, good morning. Happy after Tisha B'Av. Let it be already the last Tisha B'Av. If we needed to do one more, it looks like. And we should already go into direct great joy and festivity for now and forever. Okay, why is here now Monday morning? Because I told you on Friday, on Thursday night, when I gave my last year, that I would do a shear, I would complete the mimer, the discourse of, we were learning about Stofan Parshas Matos, I, would, I told you I would complete it on Friday. Um, now, I actually did that, but you don't know about it. The reason you don't know is because it didn't record. It absolutely didn't record. I gave a class for two hours and about 15 minutes, or two hours and 10 minutes. It was like a precious time Friday. Um, and um, I literally gave the class for the four walls. No one was here. But my intention was it would be online. But I don't see. I'm sure I'm going to check right now to make sure that it's actually working, because I don't want to have another episode like this. And I gave the entire, I'm not going to say it was in vain, because I studied Torah, and I <laughs> um, sent out waves of holiness by reading these holy, godly words from this holy book. But there was no practical recipients, at least not in the physical realm. So it was very frustrating. I only noticed after I finished the class that it didn't record. So let me first go onto YouTube right now and make sure with, um, with my phone that uh, I'm actually online. Here we are. And, uh, oh, it says that I'm live. There you go, okay. So at least now it's working. That's good news. Now, what could be the reason that that happened? I don't know always God's reasons, but I have to try to find a lesson. Because as you can understand, you know, you spend two and a half hours giving your, you know, <laughs> thinking you're giving a class to a, bu to, to a bunch of people online. I don't think a lot of people would be online live, but people would get to listen to it later. And then, you know, there was no one there. It just went to the four walls. Um, so I'm thinking, could be. I didn't get a chance to listen to my Thursday class when I said that I would definitely, I was saying like with certainty, I'm certainly going to give the class on Friday because I knew that this week was a tough week for me. Thursday, I'm not going to be out of town. So I, I did, I couldn't, I, we couldn't push it off another week. It had to be, it had to be done on uh, Thursday. As a Sashem, I'm going to be out of town. So I don't know. So when I said it on Thursday night, I don't think I said that I'll do it without a promise. I just said, we're going to do it. The last words of this discourse, this discourse is about vows, the last words on it, now, in these days, we didn't get to that part yet. He says, now we have to say, whenever you say you're going to do something, we have to say, which means without a vow. And I think I failed to do that. So the lesson came to me right as I finished the discourse and I said, now you have to say, and I went into the office to shut the recording. Uh, and there it was. I saw there was no recording. So, um, let me say, <laughs> let me make a declaration. Whenever I say I will do something, I'm hereby declaring for all the times I say I'm going to do something and I don't say Beli Neder, let it be considered as if I said Beli Neder. You can do that in, 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 
you can make a stipulation. Halachically, it works. You make a stipulation like we do. We actually do it um, on Yom Kippur. We say that all that which we will say we will do should is really bli neder. But I guess you have to say it again. So try to remember to say bli neder. Now, I'm just going to switch these. Hold on one second. Eyes are getting old. Um, here we are. Okay. We were holding, so we're going to continue now. now I'm not going to have time now to finish the entire discourse that I could tell you, but I want to at least finish Siv Gimel, um, Peri Gimel, so that this class, Belina, there is going to have four parts. We're going to finish up Ezra Sashem, hopefully tomorrow. It's going to be a much shorter class, just the last piece. Okay, I'm not going to do a review now. I would recommend anybody that wants to listen to this class, if you want to know what I'm talking about, it's very important to listen to part one and primarily part two. Even if you just listen to part two, you'll get the main gist of it because I reviewed a lot in part two. But if you want to do part one, that's even better. Part two, and now we're holding part three. Um, the last thing we were learning and the idea we were learning, we were learning over here that creation is a blend of two cosmic forces. One of them is called the world of Tohu, the world of chaos. It's a primordial existence, a very intense godly uh, light and, and expressions, which that world didn't hold out. It collapsed and it fell. And then based on that broken shards of that broken world, God reintroduced his energy, to creative energy into creation through a system called Tikkun. And the second system of Tikkun is what holds out. The reason, the simple reason why the second system of Tikkun holds out is because Hashem adjusts his life force accordingly uh, that the recipients and the containers should be able to contain it. So the second system is a far more restrained system versus the first system which was a far more unrestrained and powerful revelation. It's just that the first energy the fir um, was retracted, the energy went back to its source because the vessel shattered. Um, now our world, on, on the simple level, is a world of tikkun because we're a lasting existence. But as we explained in the earlier classes, we're not exactly just a world of tikkun. We are actually a blend of tohu and tikkun. Everything in this world is mixed of tohu and tikkun. Primarily the human being is primarily a being of tikkun with tiny little specks of tohu in ourselves as well. In general, our animal soul and our body is of tohu, of the chaotic realm, the shattered vessels of the chaotic realm, and our soul is of tikkun, is the world of rectification. Our soul, therefore, has its head on straight and has clarity, knows the truth, as an intrinsic knowledge of the divine and of purpose of creation and strives to live purposeful. Um, that's the tikkun uh, realm. The tohu is the shattered world where things are confused and mixed up and lost. Um, so our animal soul, our body, that's when we're looking at the human being. Looking at the rest of, at the human within the rest of creation, we can say like this, the human being is more primarily a being of tikkun, that's why he has 
the human, he or she, has um, an intelligence which can navigate and, and have and reach a, an awareness of God, an understanding of God, an understanding of purpose and design and order versus the rest of the creation, the lower entities of creation, animal, plant, and uh, the inanimate is just, just stuff, just, just um, material. Material that can go either way, is lacking direction, lacking purpose in it of its own. And here's where the human being has to interact with it and, 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 and elevate it to a purposeful existence, where we take the things in this world organize them in the proper way in which they too become part of the program, the divine program, the purpose of creation. By doing that, we interact with the elements of Tohu because most of the sparks of Tohu are buried in the lower things in the world. Whatever is lower in the world is more related to Tohu. Um, now, why even engage in Tohu? Why should we even... Um, even, even, even interact with it. These are dangerous, uh, toxic material, toxic waste of a world that uh, was once amazing, but then became completely ruined. And the answer is the real connection to God and the real purpose of creation, because you realize that all of this was not accidental. God intentionally shattered the world of Tohu so that we can have something to repair. And why did he do that? was because God wanted us, all, notwithstanding the fact that we are finite, limited, small, and therefore can naturally, from within our own um, capacity, we can only receive a tiny little glimmer of his infinity, of his infinite energy. And that's who and what we would be if we would only engage in our human side, if we would only engage with, the, with that which is holy, godly, and uh, we would stay clear from all the toxic waste. But the real power, and the, God wants us to be able to break free from the limitations that define us and to truly be able to connect to his infinity. And the process of doing that, how we achieve that, is through us redeeming these, these, uh, the, the debris of the world of Tohu, by us connecting to these objects and God created us, as explained in the other classes, God created us as humans that we have to be consumers. We cannot exist unless we consume. And the stuff we need to consume are all these materials of Tohu. And by us consuming them and not becoming persuaded by their lowliness, because there's a, there's a tug of war going on. There's two, the two forces that pull in different directions. Our godly soul, which is an entity of tikkun that has, as we said earlier, an innate understanding and appreciation of what life is all about. Our godly soul is yearning always to do the right thing, trying to guide us with the right thing. We have lower instincts, our basic uh, instinctive pull that pulls in the other direction, coming from our animal side. And that is only intensified when we engage with the stuff of this world that are of the materials of Tohu, which are not, they are infected, literally let's say it this way, they're infected with klipa. They're infected, in, or not just infected, they're infested with klipot. And the klipot deny God, or at least want to ignore God. And when we interact with the materials of this world, we are prone and we become very vulnerable to corruption, that they will corrupt us. 
That's why a person has to become very firmly attached to holiness and to godliness before he or she engages with the material world. Uh, um, interaction with the material world is a very dangerous, it's a dangerous uh, project. It's a dangerous endeavor. And the soul reluctantly does it. It knows that its ultimate mission is, is, can only be achieved down here. It's a treasure hunt. It's got to go, but you've got to deal with the dragons before you can reach the, tre the, 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 the treasures. The point over here is that when we reach for these sparks of tohu, now again, the debris, the shattered vessels that fell down from tohu, because they were once facilitating and hosting these vast energies, this infinite light of God, a little bit of that infinity rubbed off. And that's these tiny sparks, if we can say. It's what's rubbing off of the energy of Tohu, which is God's God in an expansive way, not in a mitigated, constricted way. And when we utilize the materials of this world to serve God, then we fix the world and the world fixes us. Or rather, let's put it this way. We fix the world and the world elevates us. It's a, it's a two-way um, um, repair. It's a two-way interaction. We bestow upon the material, physical entities of Tohu direction, the, 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 um, the wisdom, the understanding, the uh, clarity of the world of Tikkun, the perspective of Tikkun, the purposefulness of Tikkun, and Tohu delivers into our soul the energy, the power, the limitlessness of Tikkun, of Tohu. And when we receive the limitlessness of, 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 of Tohu, we're able to stretch ourselves, literally, to become, to have the ability to, to accommodate, to facilitate, to bring into our being God's true infinity. And the, because we were engaged in the repair, because we were the ones who did it, because we were the ones who kind of cultivated these sparks and elevated them, and they we're able to withstand. And that's going to be when Mashiach comes, and especially in the time of the resurrection, and, this, and also in the seventh millennium. Uh, the world is going to receive such a revelation of God that had we not been engaged and had we not done this tikkun, we would, we would be blown away. We would be destroyed immediately. The fact that we're able to receive it is because we've done the work and we integrate into ourselves these powerful vessels of tohu which give us the ability to, uh, to withstand the revelation of the infinite. So now let's uh, we just add one, 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 a few more ideas of what we learned earlier. So the world of Tohu that was once so super intense is associated with God's name of 63. Um, it's called Shem Sag. That's before it collapsed. After it collapsed, it's associated with the name of God of, 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 40, of uh, 52. So the world that needs repair is the world of 52. The world from where it has fallen is called the world of 63. Again, these are all associated with the tetragrammaton, with the Yudke Vavke, with Shem Havaya, as it has different numeric value depending on the filling of the letters, which I'm not going to go into right now. For more understanding, listen to the previous class. And the Tikkun world that connects the two, 
that picks up the shards from the world of Tohu, from the world, from the broken world, from the world of 52, and, re and returns it back up to its source, to its pre-brokenness, into the realms of 63, so that it can ultimately release its infinite light. So the world that does the tikkun, which is the world of the human, the world of the soul, the world of the ten spherot, and so on and so forth, um, the world of Atsilus, that's called Shem Ma, the name of fifty, the name of forty-five. Also Yudke Vavke, the name of forty-five. So forty-five is really much weaker than sixty-three, much much weaker than sixty-three. But it's superior to the world of fifty-two, because fifty-two is is completely disconnected. 52 is in a state of being lost. 52 is gematria behema, like an animal that doesn't know. An animal is a powerful potential, but it needs the intelligence of the human to derive the benefit from the animal. When the human sets the animal in the right course, then you can extract. You can bring out so much good from the animal. So when we harness the powers of 52 for the right thing, then we activate the powers of 63, because we reconnect to it. And then the, the energy of 63 flows into 45, and it elevates 45 to the infinite. It gives it an infinite elevation. And that concept, that the name of 45 and the name of 52, which merge together in the process of creation, 45 and 52 intermingle with each other, merge together, where the world becomes a dynamic of 45 and 52 together, a marriage of 45 and 52 together, and therefore allowing for the life, the life forces of 63 to, again, I'm just using Kabbalistic terminology, but based on the ideas that we spoke earlier, to manifest, and that leads the world to the, to the ultimate purpose of creation, is so powerful and so strong that it's called this process is called the enhancement. The enhancement of 45 is called, God calls it his bread. He says, give me my bread. What is God? When we say God over here, we mean the God as God has presented himself as a human, which the human is called in Hebrew, Adam, which Adam is 45. Aleph, Dalet, Mem is 45. So the, 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 the system of 45, which is the system of Tikkun, which is, which is to a certain degree already controlled, as we spoke earlier. The reason why it lasted was because it was controlled energy. God is holding back much more than he's letting through. He's screening, he's filtering. Only, only the most uh, limited of himself is, is, is passing through. The screening is like enormous. So that, that manifestation of the divine, of 45, needs food. It needs more energy. Just like the human down here, we, we're, we're human, we are a copy, so to speak, a copy, a vague, 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 infinitely vague copy of the 45 above, but we're still called man, just like the human above, the human below cannot survive without food. From what? From the animal, from the plant, which ultimately is derived from the soil, from the earth. The nutrients of the earth is passed on through the plant and through the animal into the human being, and that's what gives us our survival, our, 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 our energy. So to the supernal man above also has to eat. What does he eat? The sparks of holiness that are elevated from, 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 from 52 ascend upward into 63, and from there, from the world of Tohu, which we learned in the earlier class, it's called the mouth of Adom Kadmon. The mouth of Adam Kadmon, primordial man, is 
very, very powerful. So super, super high. The emanations, that's the, that's the life force that later translates into the world of Tohu. It's enormous. So now, but the system of, of, of 45 uh, doesn't come from the mouth of Adam Kadmon, not, but rather from the forehead, which as we spoke in the previous class, or maybe I didn't say this in the previous class, maybe I just said it in my class on Friday. Uh, the, the, yeah, I think I only said it. The reason why um, 45 is so much weaker than 63, than Sag, Maas, so much, the world of Tikkun is so much weaker is because the, Kabbalistically, the emergence of energy that later, this, of the second order of the system of Tikkun comes from the Oras HaMetzach. It comes from the irradiance of the forehead. What's the difference between the forehead and from the mouth? You see, if I'm talking to you and I'm trying to get a sense of who you are based on looking at your forehead, I will get a glimmer of who you are. I, I mean, obviously, you, know, you, you can kind of look at a person's face and you can get a certain sense of you know, what type of person they are. If they're wise, if they're intelligent, just by looking at their face. But obviously, if you sit in someone's class and you hear them speaking for two hours, three hours, five hours, whatever, you hear what's coming out of their mouth, it's a whole different story. Why? Because on your forehead, you're only getting a radiance that's going through the skull. It's being blocked. It's just some of the person's persona, of the inner being of the person, is coming through. But only, I shouldn't say the inner, only the external that can, that can reflect off the forehead. The mouth is an opening. And because it's an opening, it allows for the... It allows for the internal to, um, hold on, just give me one second. This is an important thing. Just, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm in the middle of giving a class, and I'm only going to be done in an hour. Just giving you a quick update. So the, the radiance that comes out from the forehead is only considered an external radiance compared to what emanates from the mouth, which is internal. That's why the power of toe is like God giving it his true inside as opposed to tikkun, which comes only from the forehead. So in order for tikkun, for the 45, to, re, to be nourished and get food, to be empowered, can only come from moitzapi Hashem. That's where Hashem says in next week's Torah portion. Man does not live on bread. Man, man, which man is talking about the supernal man, the man of 45, lives on moitzapi Hashem, which comes out from the mouth of, the source of the mouth of God, which is referring for the primordial man called Adam Kamaj. I'm not going to get into it right now. We discussed it a little bit last week. It's from the inside of it, which comes out of his mouth, as opposed to what's coming from the forehead, which is only external. Now, the Eberster says, that God says, You should have bread in my bread. God says, listen, I'm eating bread. My bread is these introductions, these infusions, powerful infusions that I get from Tohu. Now, again, when I say God, let's understand, I mean the limited, the limited expression of Hashem referred to as man is being nurtured by the infinity that precedes it, which... Is M, we're not talking about the essence of God. The essence of God it transcends all these manifestations. It's above, infinitely beyond it all. But we're talking about it in this evolving energies which interact with the world. 
well, one God, but it's just different dimensions of expression. Okay. So the higher energies flow into the Hashem, that's called my bread. Now, how does Hashem get its food? Through the sparks that we elevate. How do we elevate? The, the biggest elevation of sparks is through mitzvahs. And we said earlier, it's through our consumption. We utilize the things in this world for the proper purposes. That's how we elevate these sparks. But primarily, what's the ultimate purpose of using everything in this world is in a mitzvah, because a mitzvah is a divine will. So when we use everything in this world for a mitzvah, then we extract the sparks. And that's what's so special about the physical mitzvahs, which are even superior than all the more spiritual service that we do. Physical mitzvahs are so potent and so powerful because primarily in the physical and in the material is where the sparks of Tohu are buried so that we can feed, so to speak, the infinite. I'm sorry, we can feed the supernal man above. And then God says, you eat my bread. What does that mean? That as a result of a person doing a mitzvah, and as a result of that, bringing about an enormous, powerful infusion of infinity into the entire system, divine system of creation, into the backbone of creation, into the, into the uh, underlying... Uh, godly system that is the bedrock or the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the computing uh, force behind everything that exists is then invigorated, and I'm talking about even on the highest of levels, is infused with enormous energy as a result of our mitzvahs. And as a result, and he, the words that he uses earlier is that it, it, it enlivens the entire world of Atsilos. And the entire world of Atsilus has now become invigorated and empowered. And that infuses enormous amount of light into Gan Eden, into the Garden of Eden, where the, all the souls are. And then angels too. And they're all enriched with enormous enrichment and delight and pleasure. Because as long as the energy flow, and that's what we have to remember, as long as the energy flow is coming through the enormous filtration of the system of Tikkun, of the way God created it, there's no divine revelation. Everything is very trickle, trickle, drip, 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 drip. Gan Eden is a, even the Garden of Eden is a very boring place. There's not much happening. The show is happening. I don't know why I'm thinking right now. I remember when I was uh, two years ago, uh, last year, a year ago, I went to Yellowstone. I did a cross-country trip, went to Yellowstone. So we were taking a walk amongst the geysers. So, you know, there's the old faithful that shoots up like once. They have, it, they have it on a clock. They know exactly when the next one is going to shoot. And people come and wait, and it's, it's exciting. But I remember I took a walk amongst these hundreds of geysers, and then there's like one big one. I forgot the name. And it so happened to be that we, we were able, they also knew what, what time it would, uh, some of them, they know when it's going to erupt. So it, it was beautiful. It was just one of the magnificent things I've ever seen in my life. So there is the, it's beautiful. Just taking a walk over there is just so spectacularly beautiful. It's so unique. It feels like you're on a different planet. But that's one thing. But then there's when the show is happening, when the geyser erupts and it's shooting up, this boiling hot water, and it's so magnificently, just otherworldly. So I'm saying is Gan Eden is Gan Eden, you know? It's a nice day in Gan Eden. But when is the show happening? When is the geyser erupt? That's when a Yiddu has a mitzvah in this world. It infuses the entire world of Atsilas with powerful, enormous energy. And then that goes in and, fl and, and flows into Gan Eden. And suddenly, Gan Eden starts popping. Which means that there's divine revelation that's from beyond the system. And that creates the party in Gan Eden. So that's what we mean, Schar Mitzvah Mitzvah, the reward of a mitzvah is a mitzvah. 
Okay, so that's all happening up there. What's with us down here? So we're the movers and the shakers of everything because we control the entire system because we have it within our ability to liberate the sparks or not liberate the sparks. It's all, <laughs> the leftover sparks are down here primarily. So we control them by how we interact with this world. That's why we're the main player. But do we gain to experience some of that revelation? So we know we will when, either in, when the soul departs and goes to Gan Eden, that's after 120, or it used to be after 120, as we always say, because now hopefully we will all live forever, already down here, or after Mashiach comes. That's when we will reap the rewards. That's when all this godliness will be revealed. But down here in this world, we don't see the difference. We don't feel this enormous energy. So the Rebbe explains, the Alter Rebbe explains that it's possible to experience it in our world as well. And that's the idea that we can experience love to God that transcends our tikkun. Tikkun, the, it transcends our human systematic um, um, approach to life. Our intelligence, our mind is very, very rational. And, and if we only follow the system of, and obviously we, when we try to inspire ourselves in our Judaism and our connection to Hashem, we use our intellect. We get to know God like we get to know everything else. The Rambam says, how do you know, how do you come to love God? You meditate. You meditate on how beautiful, magnificent the creation is. God creating it all. That excites us. That invigorates us. But the Alter Rebbe explains that, that that kind of meditate, so, oh, but, so we use our mind. Oh, we can meditate on a little deeper. And through our grasping of our mind, we get to know God as our knowledge. That creates the energy. But since that system of mind, of, of reason, of grasping, that's the system of tikkun. The whole system of tikkun is a system where the energy is filtered through in a way that it could be grasped. The very fact that our finite minds can grasp it is a sign that it's been filtered with the enormous filters of tikkun, because the pure raw divinity is not graspable by any mind. So as long as we are getting to know God and operating through our mind, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, but it's not, it, you're not touching, you're not even beginning to touch on the infinity of God. The true infinity of God is possible for us to experience, but that's only as a result of the mitzvahs that we do, which is with the physical world, we elevate these mitzvahs, we cause a, in tikkun, a, an infusion of energy that's beyond tikkun from the worlds of Tov, and that translating into human being means that the love of God, that trans, the, the desire to connect to God, the soul's essential bond with Hashem, that's higher than intellect and reason, and we might say the superconscious powers of the soul reveal themselves into our consciousness. And when we experience that, the heart goes ablaze with a fire, with a passion, with a, with, with a, with a delight, with a pleasure. Or even if it doesn't reach a level of pleasure, but in a level of intense yearning and excitement that is like madness. And until we don't experience that madness, we're not really experiencing the divinity. You know, a prophet was called a madman. Because prophecy, when you experience God, you go crazy. Now, you're not supposed to be crazy. You have to still maintain, God wants us to still maintain our minds. That's the whole point over here, to fuse the two. We don't, we don't fry our brains as a result of this revelation. We're, that's why people who think that we can reach these things by taking different substances and so on and so forth, and that, you're going into very, I'm not saying that they can't feel or sense anything, but they're going into very dangerous territory because God gave us a way to do it through mitzvahs. And then you're safe. If you start doing other things, you never know how 
even if you're thinking that it's not only the, 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 the stuff that you're taking, but you're actually activating spiritual powers in your soul and so on and so forth, but if you're, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, let's just say it's not safe. The, the tzaddikim didn't do it through, uh, through, uh, through they, they did it because they connected. And from within, through the mitzvahs and Torah that they studied, they opened themselves up, their soul, for these powerful, powerful revelations of the transcendental parts of the neshama. And he calls it re'usa delib. Now, here's the thing. The up, in order for this to happen, in order to tap these enormous powers, you need the sparks of toe to activate. And that, let's call it an upload. You have, and how do you activate it? You upload a spark. That comes from the food that you ate the day before. It comes from the clothing you wore and you used it for a mitzvah. Anything that is physical and earthy, which you use for holiness, you redeem a spark. And what are you doing? You're uploading. Now the upload comes through our work. But in order for us to have a download, that some of that godly light should be able to reveal ourselves in our experience, in our neshama, so that we can experience true devotion and connection to God the way we should. Oh, we should have a Gan Eden moment, a godly, a true divine experience. For that, we need a download. The download has to come through Moshe Rabbeinu. It has to come through a neshama kalelas. It has to come through a powerful soul, a Rebbe. That's the idea. Moshe doesn't mean only Moshe. Moshe means the Moshe, as Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama, as it extends throughout all the generations, primarily through the leader of the generation. That's the idea of a Rebbe, who's Moshe. And Moshe's neshama, he's able to direct that energy to our soul. That's what we learned till now. Um, let me read quickly over here. In order to draw down this great ratzon into the soul, this is the idea that Moshe speaks to the heads of the tribes of Yisrael. Matos, these are the tribes. He's going to explain why is that called Vaidaber Moshe. Moshe, Vaidaber Moshe doesn't only mean Moshe speaks. Moshe directs. Moshe channels. El Rashi Hamatos to the heads of the tribes. Matos is the name of tribes. Hamashvatim, these are the tribes. Dalad the Golem. Now, why are the tribes called? Now, the tribes were called Matos, and they were set up in a way where there were three tribes on each side around the tabernacle, around the Mishkan. Dalad the Golem, the four the Golem, Yehuda Pnei which is Yehuda's on the right side because Yehuda personifies the lion, which is the archangel Michael, who serves God like a lion, serves God like um, with love. Eliamin to the right side. And then on the left side, uh, there was the other tribe. I think uh, who, was on, who was on the left, uh, Mizrach on, 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 on uh, Tzafah, and I think it was uh, God, Don. Think so, because they have gavura inside. It's different, different. Ruvain and Sh- they're they're in the fr- uh, they're in the back, I think. Ruvain was where? Which side? Mizrach. No, no, no. Yehuda. Yehuda was in. Yeah, Mizrach. Mizrach is on. But Mizrach is to, okay. Whatever. I'm a little confused now, but it's okay. The main idea is that you have the four, you have the different groups, the different tribes surrounding the Mishkan. But the thing over here is like this. The tribes, referring to the Jewish souls, and all the ensemble of Jewish 12 different tribes, they need Moshe Rabbeinu's input because in it of themselves, they are stuck within the system. It means they're serving God, they're connected. Let's not dismiss Tikkun. Tikkun is, is rich. <laughs> it's, 
beautiful. It's, it's a connection to God that's based on understanding, which is wonderful. But again, it doesn't allow you to experience the true infinity of the divine. It's very limited. So the tribes on their own is a system of tikkun. That's why it says, "Ubeshem Elokeinu." In the name of our God, Nidgal, we will set up. We will we will banner ourselves, which referring to the tribes. And again, I think, how does he see from here? It's a system of tikkun. Again, this is my own interpretation, but I think this is what he means, since it says Elokeinu, our godliness. Our godliness means it's. The main difference between tikkun and tohu, let's always remember, is that tohu, the vessels are not really restraining the lights. That's why the vessels shatter. So the idea of tohu is lights without vessels, energy that's not contained. Tikkun, the main notion of tikkun is vessels, containers. Now, the name Elohim in general is the name of the, the divine when it is already contained in containers. Because the whole idea of Elohim is Teva, Elohim is Gematria 86, Gematria Hateva, nature. Nature means vessels, containers, systems. Especially when we say Elokeinu, our godliness. Our godliness means it's, it's particularized in accordance to our capacity. And that would mean that Shevet Ruvain has its own style, Shevet Yehuda has its own style, Shevet Dun has its own style, Shevet Binyamin has its own style. Each one according to the chemistry and the character of their soul. Because the world is multi-layered, multi-faceted, multi... I mean, the world is bihischalkos. Everything is in its division. And therefore, each, even in holiness, everything is set. That's why each tribe has its own banner, its own style, its own... Its own and their service to God was different. And as long as we're only stay, staying within, within the system, it's great, but it's not the purpose. He says, and that's what he says. This is the emotional response. It's the excitement. It's excitement. There is these, these banners were marching. The Jews set up. But again, the entire stimulation is drawn from Bina. It's born from understanding and Das and knowledge. Which has to do with the 12 um, borders of the diagonal. Which means, what this, this means is just briefly is that there are six Midos, and six primary emotions, and the six primary emotions, each one blends with an opposite because it's tikkun. That's the idea of tikkun is that things are not too extreme, so they can tolerate one with the other, and that's why there can be what we call a skalalos interaction. So from the six, they double up. Each one gets a partner, it becomes 12. And this is the idea of the 12, um, 12 borders of a, of a cube. When you have a cube, you have six sides, but you have 12 borders, 12 where two sides connect. Right? Um, the, and that's the 12 tribes. So it's all system. But so if Moshe would be, that's matos, but what does it mean, Rasheha matos, the heads of the tribe, means that each one of the tribes, that means every Jew, no matter which tribe you are, your head, the head of that Jew, means an openness, a place where your, your nature and your finite existence is, is, is converging with transcendence. Like we say, the human, anything that's below here and below is finite. But the skull represents the fact that we're connected 
and we can attach ourselves, we have an antenna, so to speak, that reaches above ourselves into the infinite. And we can converge with the, with the infinite. And that's the meaning Rashi Amatois. Matois itself is limitation. Rashi Amatois means the skull of the Mata, means the infinity. Which is the desire that's above Binavadas, which means a love to God. If we can, if we spiritually, when we experience, when we connect to our skull, we experience infinite passion, a love to God that a, a connection to Hashem that makes us madly driven in our Judaism. It's called head. This is the idea where the Alter Rebbe explains elsewhere. It says, in the beginning of Numbers, in the beginning of Bamidbar, it says, lift the heads, meaning lift their minds of the Jewish people, to their skulls. Simply means to make a head count, but the deeper meaning. Lift them to their skulls. Pick their minds up. That, that you shouldn't filter only with what your mind understands. You shouldn't be a dry Jew based on intellect. You should be a fire, a ball of fire. Like this you can connect to the true infinity of God. Kenyan galgal to the chafial moicha, which is the idea of galgolas that's higher than brain. This can only come to us. Again, the upload comes from the mitzvahs that we do, but the downloading of it comes through Moshe. Das Elyon, because Moshe is the higher das. There's a lower das, which connect the das is the power of knowing, which is the power of attachment. The lower das connects the emotions to the intellect which the idea means that sometimes a person you know, learns, understands, and um, has certain knowledge and certain information, but you don't connect to it. How many times is it that you learn something and you learned it? And intellectually you perceive the truth, but it doesn't translate and doesn't internalize, that that becomes you, that your, your, your life changes. Really, every teaching of Hasidus, every teaching of the divine, should be life-changing. Our entire being should change. We should never get, we shouldn't experience any anxiety anymore, because God, we, we know God, we feel God. We, so, he's the bedrock of our existence. What am I scared of? What am I worried from? Why do I have anxiety? Why do I have tension? Why do I have, shouldn't. But sometimes we learn, and the learning stays over here. Doesn't go, so we need Das. Das the ability to connect the emotions to the intellect, but that's the lower das. The higher das is the ability to connect the intellect to keter, to the ein sof, to the, what is the keter means the crown, the infinity. Moshe is neshama, is the higher das. Shuhu, and therefore he's also associated with Yisoyed Abba, with the power, Abba is Chachma. And in Chachma itself, there is the power of Yisod. Now, yisod is the power of to bond. Now, usually we see yisod as the power to connect to lower. Through yisod, the mashpia, the influencer, connects to the makabal. But let's first understand one thing. Yisod and das are on the same scale. In the human being, das is in the head, in the back, actually, between the two, the right side, and that's the das. And then teferis is the torso, the middle, the center. And yisod is the reproductive part of the person. So Yisoid, Teferis, and Das. And we know there's a very deep connection between Das and Yisoid because you can't get excited physically 
unless there is focus, unless there is a sense of attachment, unless there is knowing of Adam Yada. So Das and Yesod are deeply connected. We say Moshe Rabbeinu is Das, we say Moshe Rabbeinu is Yesod. So it's not a contradiction, because Yesod and Das, the main thing is, but in which sphera in Chachma? Because Chachma is the first sphera, and Chachma is the sphera that receives from Kesar. Through, through, through Das and Yesod, Moshe Rabbeinu is able to connect to Kesar, have the higher Das, and also connect, transmit that, because without Yesod, he couldn't transmit it to lower. Moshe's Yesod Abba, I think, again, this is my understanding, the Yesod of this Kesar, this Orin Sof connection, this transcendental Amuna and and a love to Hashem and a drive to God that transcends, that brings us to Mesiras Nefesh and to sacrifice, to, 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 go, to, go, to go all the way to the end and not stop for anything, that empowerment that comes from Moshe, as we said, from a Rebbe, and that's Yesoid Abba. And he is the one who draws, he's the one who draws the, the, the yearning of the heart, the desire of the heart, which means a desire and a connection to God that's not based on reason. Ki Abba, and he explains why, Yoinik Memazal Hashmini. Explain why is Chachma, Chachma, on the one hand, Chachma is the beginning of the world of Tikkun. So we would think that Chachma is locked into Tikkun. So yeah, on the one hand, Chachma is the source of Tikkun, that's what he's going to say in a moment, from Chachma and on is Tikkun. And that's why we say, Bachachma Yivne Bayis. Chachma is, the, is from where we build Bayis, we build the house. The house is already Tikkun. It's called a, 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 a bias means kalem, vessels. Uh, it's a home, it's a, it's a, it's a dwelling, it's, it's a limited space. That's when Chachma is giving and transmitting Chachma. But when Chachma links up with what's beyond Chachma, which he explains right now, because Chachma is, 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 is nursing, Yoineg, it's nursing from Kesem. From where from Kesar, he says, from the eighth, maybe it's associated with the concept of eight, eight being above the seven, the eighth. I'm not sure about that over here, if that's Nagea, but that's what he meant. Mazal Hashmini from the eighth Mazal. It says that in Kesar, there are 13 strands of hair. That's why the beard is so important in Kabbalah, because the beard is considered 13 strands of hair, even though we have more hair in our, in our, in our, in our, in our beard, but it, primarily it's 13 elements in the beard which are reflecting the 13 strand here in God's beard, which each one is a, the beard is, has to do with the keter energy. That's why a person's beard only grows when there's a certain maturity. It's not, it doesn't come from intellect. It comes from the super intelligence, the power of beyond. And that's where the beard comes from. And there is eight tikkunim, uh, not eight, there is um, 13 tikkunim. It's all explained in the Idra in Zohar, Pashas Nasa, where he explains over there the, what the 13 um, strands are. And Chachma and Bina are both nursing. Chachma nurses from the eighth one, which is called Noitzer, Noitzer Chesed. And Bina nurtures from the 13th one, which is called Venake. So Bina takes from there, and Chachma takes from so he says, he wants to explain why Moshe Rabbeinu gives us this ru'usa desliba, this infinite desire to connect to God. Because noitzer, which means he guards, guards chesed, chesed is kindness, but it also means love. But the word noitzer is also tsinar, he channels chesed love. But it's also the word ratzon, 
That means he channels desire. He channels desire from God's desire, from God's drive to human drive. So our drive links up with God's drive. So then we're loving God with God's love, not with our love. That's the idea. You're, you're, you're picked up from your finite processing of mind, of reason, which limits everything and allows you to experience an attachment that's that's, that's, that's infinite. And this is the higher desire. It's higher than the world of Atsilas. Because he explains. Because from Atsilas and down, which Chachm is the beginning of the world of Atsilas, everything is fixed. That's where you have a house, you have a limitation. That's the root of Atsilas. But Chachm being a through the Das, Chachm linking up with Keser and channeling Keser. So then Chachma can infuse into Atsilus, can download from, Atz, from beyond Atsilus into Atsilus, and Moshe Rabbeinu, being that conduit, can direct that energy into every Nisham. Moshe Rabbeinu is that in him. You can look over there in that mime where he explains it. Where in that he talks about this idea of those who draw down God's ratzin, which is higher than reason. Okay. So now from here, this is really to where we got to in last class, but I didn't explain the last part so well. So I hope you get some more understanding from this class. And now let's continue on. I think. I mentioned this again in the class that I gave on Friday, but I can't say this for certain. It seems to me that this last piece that we're going to learn today, the rest of today's class, almost the rest of today's class, is all a, an addition of the Tzemach Tzedek, because in the other version of the Mimer, in the Mimer of the Mitla Rebbe, this whole thing doesn't appear. And from the style, it seems like the Tzemach Tzedek is giving interpretation on his grandfather's Mimer, explaining more ideas associated with this concept that Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who gives us, again, the main theme. And he's going to introduce now another three interpretations in the meaning of this verse. The three pirushim are all aligned and synchronized with the idea that through Moshe Rabbeinu, we receive the download from the powers, from the super, super rational, super logical energies that transcend, or what we, let's put it this way, in our neshama there are the nefesh ruach neshama, the three lower parts of the neshama, which are called oidois pekelim, lights in vessels. We have more control on that area, because we, it's our vessels. It's our, then there are two powers of our soul, which are encompassing powers, they're called makifim. Those powers are our neshama, but because it's not vested in our intellect, in our mind, so it's more distant from us, it's more concealed from us. And we need, um, we need certain assistance in order to be able to open our consciousness, to raise our consciousness to these super energies, to open our soul to these transcendental powers. The Rebbe, for instance, was telling us that we're living already in the days of Mashiach. And the Rebbe says, what is Mashiach? Mashiach is Yechida, he's the, he's the fifth dimension, he's the highest level of soul. Obviously, it's, it's not just an encompassing power. It's the super-encompassing power. The Rebbe even explained that Mashiach is even deeper than Yechida. 
And the Rebbe said that Mashiach opens us up, enables us, and is enabling us today already to live. That's this idea, because Moshe and Mashiach are the same. He's going to bring soon that the word Mata is related to Mashiach. Moshe and Mashiach is, are the same neshama in essence. And they open us up to these powers. Well, whoever, so that's what we just learned. It, 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 in order to experience Reusa Daliba, this transcendental desire of the neshama, you need not... You, you activate it through engaging in the matters of this world and uploading the sparks. That's when you bring the materials. But that doesn't mean you're going to be turned onto it. That means you did a service for God, but it doesn't mean that it's going to, it's going to reciprocate back down here. And all reciprocation from these levels can only come through tzaddikim. It can only come through the ultimate tzaddik. And that's Moshe Rabbein. So... What he's going to explain, however, over here is different nuances in the interpretation of the Pasuk, which is reflecting all the, as the way, again, the way I understand it, it's reflecting all super-rational powers, but different ideas of the super-rational power. Meaning, uh, what we learned till now is a desire that transcends reason. He's now going to explain a firmness, another interpretation, that connecting to this level creates a certain firmness and a stubbornness. It makes us super stubborn in our Judaism, that we don't budge. Nothing in the world can shake us when it comes to being a Jew. We don't get persuaded, God forbid, by any temptation. We don't fall to anything, and we're super stubborn. That comes from Moshe Rabbein. And that comes because, it's, again, it's our stubbornness, but it's, we connect to it through Moshe. And it's all hinted to in this puzzle. So now, according to his second interpretation, he's going to focus not on the word rashe, but on the word matos. According to the first interpretation, matos was the, the, our Jewish experience as we can experience ourselves by ourselves. That's the 12 tribes, as we spoke earlier, which referred to our limited capacity. Rashi Amatois is where Moshe Rabbeinu interacts with our skull and opens us up to our skull, to our more transcendental power of us. He's now going to explain that it's hinted to even in the word Matos because we as Jews are generally, we are called Shvatim. Moshe Rabbeinu turns us into a Mate. Like we see, Moshe Rabbeinu is the person who walks around with a Mate. All the miracles that he did was with a staff. Shevet is a branch and Mata is a staff. The difference between a branch and a staff is that a staff was once a branch, but the staff becomes a branch. Sorry, the branch becomes a staff. The difference is that a branch is pliable and soft. A, a Mata is firm and hard. And the idea is that Moshe hardens our Judaism because he brings us and connects us to the core essence of our inner core of our soul, the nucleus of our soul. It says, and he's going to bring over here three, I think, three sources that explain the concept that mate, and as much as it refers to the Jewish people, refer to a very deep element of our being in which we are stubborn, strong, and unbudgeable. Un, uh, so the, the, in Medrash Rab, in the end of Parshas Lech Lecha, Perik Mem Zayin Gaba Kol Eile Shifte Yisrael, the Medrash over there speaks about um, when Hashem swore to Avram Avinu after the uh, no by the bris no talks about talks about by the by the by the bris milah 
and I forgot already on what the Medrash is saying it, but the Medrash is doing a comparison between the tribes of Yishmael and the tribes of of um, of, of Israel, because you know Yishmael also has 12, 12 tribes. It mentions amongst his children, and if they're, they're, they're the different tribes of Yishmael are referred to as Nesim, um, which means princes. But the Medrash is saying Nesim is from the word clouds. Uh, clouds are also called, uh, like it says, Vanesim Eviu, when it talks about Chanukah Sabes Amigdosh. Um, it says the Nesim, I'm sorry, when it talks about the donations for the Mishkan, it says the, the Nesim brought, brought, the Nesim simply means the princes of the tribes, they brought the gems. But according to one opinion, it means that the clouds brought the gems, the fine gems for the Mishkan. Nesim means clouds. Ananim is another word, is Nesim. And that comes to illustrate that the powers of Yishmael are meek and weak. And one of the one of the things about a cloud is that they're very present. They 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 they, they sometimes can determine our mood. If a lot of clouds blocks the sun, creates a sense of doom and gloom. But one thing you know about clouds is that they don't last long. Any wind will come from either direction will blow them away. They don't have any sub substance. If there's anything that you wouldn't paint the cloud to 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 represent stubbornness and 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 uh, and the firmness. Cloud is so. Is the, anything in the the tiniest movement pushes the cloud. So it says about the the. So the medrash is saying that Yishmael, you might look at them; they seem to be so powerful. They seem like there's <laughs> they're hanging out on the Temple Mount, mount over there with their with their golden dome, and think that they're going to stay there. A little cloud is going to blow them away. But we are firm. It's our place. Our base Amidish is going to stand forever. The Jewish people are firm, rock solid. And the Medrash says, because we are called Matois. And Matois means firm, stubborn. Aval Elu, the Medrash says, Matois are strong. Firm like a staff. Like it says, It's a Pasuk in Chavakuk, where it says, um, the, the Rashi explains it means, the oath that God shvuos means the oath matos that Hashem gave to the tribes, Oimer Sela stands forever. Okay, so you see that uh, we'll soon see the connection of an oath to this. That uh, but it, that, that Hashem swore to our to, to the to, our, to the tribes to the Ruven Shimon Levi and that stands forever. But you see that matos the Medrash is saying Chazakim Kamata strong. Another place in Medrash where it refers to mata meaning strong and strength and, and, and therefore permanent and unbreakable. The Medrash says on the Pasuk, Shira Shirim Gimel Pasuk Zion, I think it is. Um, Behold the bed of Shlomo Amelech. Um, the Pasuk says, There is 60 giborim, 60 mighty men standing around his bed. From the strong ones of Israel. Um, they're all holding a sword. They're, they're all um, warriors. They're all experts at war. Uh, in order, you know, just in case, for the fear of the night, in order to protect you have So simply he's talking about King Solomon when he was in bed. <laughs> he had... He was guarded. He had he had uh, uh, he had secret service around him, and no one can harm him. That's the simple meaning. 
The Medrash says that Shlomo over here is referring to Gata Hashem. It's not referring to Shlomo Melech in general. We know every time it says Shlomo and Shira Shira, and besides one place, I think, it's referring to Shlomo. But all the other ones, one or two places, it's referring to God. What does it mean, the bed of God, the bed of Shlomo? It's not, so the, the Medrash says, not, bed doesn't mean bed. <laughs> Mita doesn't mean bed over here. Mita means the staff, I'm sorry, the tribes of God. Ah, that's referring to the Jewish people. The Jewish people are Hashem's tribes. We are the mate of, Elo, of, of Hashem. Mates. So the tribes of Hashem are protected. How are we protected? So the Medrash goes on to say there are 60 warriors standing around us. Every single Jew surrounded with 60 warriors. Who are they? So the Medrash says these are the 60 letters, such a beautiful Medrash, the 60 letters of Birkat Kohanim. The blessings of the Kohanim have Yivarecha Hashem ve'yishmerecha Yod Hashem Pana ve'lecha ve'chanecha Yisra Hashem Pana ve'lecha ve'yasmucha Sholim Sixty letters in there, I never knew that. And the sixty letters, they surround every single Jew and protect us. This could be the reason why, I, I didn't know this, that when we say Krishma Shalamita, according to the Nusachari, is we say the Pasuk, Hine Metasei Shalosh Lo'emoi, this Pasuk, and we say together with it, Yivarecha Hashem ve'yishmerecha, three times we say the, ble- the blessings of the Kohanim. Because these, <laughs> these are the, according to the Medrash, these are the 60 mighty men that stand outside, around us. And the Medrash continues, what does it mean, Yisrael? that they strengthen us, they make the Jewish people very strong. And they're warriors, and the idea that they're like drawn swords, it's that there's a lot of gavura in these holy words of Birkas Kohanim that can break and destroy all the harmful forces that want to harm, God forbid, any Jew. These forces stand around us. That's what the Medrash says. And the Medrash continues that we're Vishvatav, and the Medrash over there brings that we're firm and strong. Like it says, Shvu Matis. So now the Tzemach Tzadik says, what does it mean, the strength? When we're saying strong, it's not an external strength that's coming from the outside, it's uncovering the deep, powerful essence of the Neshama that is not vestible in kalim, in vessels. The part of our neshama that goes into vessels is only an expression and ray of the neshama. And that, technically, you can argue with, you can weaken it, you can soften it, you can over, God forbid, the unholy can overpower it. But the rock-solid essence of the soul or the encompassing powers of the neshama are not breakable. Their attachment to God is firm, and that's where the Jews' power to stand against all odds and not be impressed, and not be persuaded, and not be pushed over by any force in the world. In the Maimar A, Pashas A, in two, three weeks from now, we're going to read that, two weeks from now, the Altareb explains in the first Maimar, on the Pasuk where it says in Tehillim, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a parak in Tehillim that begins, Maskil Le'eson. So the Altareb explains over there that every Nishama has in, in, in the Pasuk, it says over there, God says, I'm giving before you today. So the Alter Rebbe explains it, such an amazing pirush. Re'e Hashem says, see, me, my very self, my essence, God says, I'm giving myself, into your, I'm, I'm channeling my, my being into your being. And the Alter Rebbe says this meant that by the giving of the Torah, God downloaded himself into every Jew. So every single Jew has within him Yud Kei Vav Now, 
It's explained in other places in Chassidus. We've always had it, but we couldn't tap it. We couldn't unearth it. We couldn't reveal it. And in Matan Torah, God activated within our neshama the Yud Kevavke. And the Alter Rebbe explains what's the Yud of the neshama, and especially the tip of the Yud, on top of the Yud. The so Yud is generally Chachma, but the tip of the Yud is the power that transcends Chachma. That's why he says it's called Maskil. That's where it connects to this. Maskil means it's higher than Seichel. The Yud is Seichel, intellect. This is Maskil, the source of Seichel. And that part of our neshama is called Eitan. Eitan means firm, strong, unbudgeable. Strong. Like it says, strong is your seat. No one can uproot you. So in that mimer explains that's the power for every single Jew to stand firm and no power in the world can destroy him. This that we see sometimes Jews budge is because they didn't, for whatever reason, fail to connect to that Eitan. But the Eitan is really there in every neshama. We all have it within us. And that's what Sadiq, and that's what Moshe does. He uncovers it. He brings it out. In another mimer over there, in that mimer, the Alter Rebbe explains how every single Yid has a Karban Tamit. How every day when we offer the Karbanais, we offer the sacrifice, the daily sacrifice of a sheep. It's not just an animal that we offer, but we have to realize that that sacrifice is also ourselves. And he explains that just like in the animal, there is the blood that goes on the sprinkled on the altar, and there's the meat that's burnt on the altar. But including in that is the bones. So he explains what is the bones in our service to God. It means our firm stubbornness that never budges. Same idea of Eitan. Our ability to, our das, firm connection that nothing can disconnect it from Hashem. This is the idea of Now he's going to connect it to the idea that there is an oath that God, what does the oath have to do with this idea of matos, matos firmness? It's the same idea as Eitan, and also an oath, what's the connection? Like the Pirish Berabes Bamidbar, now in the Medrish Bamidbar, Seif Perekid Gimel, the Medrish explains what's the idea that Hashem, that there is a Shvua Ismatois, a Shvua, an oath to the, to the tribes. So the Medrash has an interesting thing. This Medrash is in the end of Pashas Nasai. By, by, in, in, in Pashas Nasai, in the end of the, of the Parsha, it tells us about the, the, the gifts that the 12 tribes brought. Each tribe brought another day gifts for the inauguration of the Mishkan. We learned about a, a mimer this year, all about that just a few weeks ago. Now, each tribe brought the exact same gift, yet a very, very, very complicated gift, meaning with so much details. And yet an amazing, an amazing thing happened, something that is completely, the most, I think one of the most wondrous things, is that even though there was 12 people bringing the exact same lavish gift with enormous amount of detail, Imagine you, someone brings a, in a fruit, a fruit bouquet, and it has 23 blueberries, 16 strawberries, um, five ap apricots, 68 almonds, four green apples, nine red apples, Macintosh. <laughs> imagine, 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 just again. Okay. Imagine if you tell people, give me, a, and, and they don't communicate with each other. Everybody comes in with the exact same bouquet, and you could, I mean, of, of big, I mean, fruit or platter. And, it, you, and, you, and, you, and you, they were given 
You know, they have these cooking shows, right? And everybody's given the same ingredient and they have to make, and each one comes up with a different, uh, different dish. Imagine that you give people, put them in a different room and each one comes with the same exact dish. <laughs> and, but in this case, right, so oh, that's one thing. But imagine if you speak to each person and everybody gives you a reason for the sim- symbolism, a complete different reason for every detail of it. That's, that's crazy. And that's what happened over here. Everybody gave a different symbol for reason for every detail. Each one had a different reason. And yet it came out to be the same complex gift. It's just unbelievable. What's beautiful is that the Medrash, Rabbah, spends like, tw- I don't know how many pages, <laughs> maybe six, seven, or ten pages going through each nuance of each tribe, what they intended in their gift. When it comes to Shevet God, the Medrash says that the entire gift was structured around the going out of Mitzrayim. That was what he was celebrating with his gift. In the end of the gift, it says that they brought for the, for the, for the, for the peace offerings. They offered um, two cattle. Um, two cattle they offered. And they also offered... 15, um, 15 other forms of animals. Five um, rams, five he-goats, and five sheep. Okay, Each one brought that, two cows. So the Medrash says, what did Shevet God's intention was? Intention of Shevet God was that the cattle is, is Moshe and Aaron, because they were the ones who took us out of Mitzrayim. Or Yaakov and Yosef, because it gives two interpretations. Either Yaakov and Yosef, because in their merit we went out of Egypt. Oh, no, uh, yeah. Or, and they, and they, and they, uh, they, they gave us pocket pakadati, they kept our faith alive, so on and so forth, which means the, the symbol of the Giyola. And Avram, or, or, or Moshe and Aaron. And how about the, 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 the three types that they gave, the, 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 the goats, the sheep, the rams, that's, resemble, that's commemorating our forefathers, patriarchs, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So the Medrash says, okay, so why five of each? So the Medrash says, because, because, because it was, their, was the promise that God made to them that got us out of Egypt. Because we only got out of Egypt because God made a promise, not because of our worthiness. So why five of each one? Because the Medrash says when you count five for each one, it equals 15. Because the promise that God made with our fathers is not only a promise to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, it was also a promise to the 12 tribes. So 12 and 3 equals 15. That's the significance. And the Medrash brings the Pasuk, Shvuois Matos, that the oath that God made is not only with the forefathers, with the first, with the, like, the highest generation of Jews, the second tier as well, the forefathers as well, uh, the, the, the heads of the tribes as well. So there's an oath. Just like Hashem swore to the fathers, Hashem swore to the So what does this mean that he swore to our forefathers? So the Medrash, so the, so the Pasuk says, so what's the big deal? What's the idea of God swore? He swore. What does it mean? So there's a Pasuk that says that Hashem swore to our fathers, me and me kedem from the, from the ancient days. Simply, it means he swore to our fathers a long time ago. What is the deeper meaning from the ancient names? It's explained elsewhere in the Maimah. Over there, he explains that the idea of an oath. He asks, what does it mean God makes an oath? Why does God have to make an oath? 
So he explains like this. God set up a system of the world that he operates with us through the system of the ten spherot, through the man. Remember we spoke earlier, the supernal man. Everything works through God, works through a system. And the system, the man, is a being that has intellect and emotion. So mostly the conduct of the affairs of the world are working through the system of reason and logic, divine logic. Yet based on divine logic, then we would be in trouble because there are times that we are more deserving based on logic and reason for God's love and there are times that God forbid there might be some kind of an accusation that there is something lacking in our deservance and then God would retreat and retract and would uh, maybe find a reason to neglect the Jewish people. The idea of making an oath, what do you make an oath? The idea of making an oath means that you're connecting yourself, you're committing yourself from a place deeper than your mind. An oath means I promise this is the way it's going to be, no matter what. That means even if, not if someone else is going to try to get in the way, even if myself will get in the way, even if I will understand one day that what, that you're not deserving of my love. You broke your, whatever it is, you're not deserving. It was, con to say it's unconditional. I'm committed from my very essence. This idea that God commits himself from his essence means that God is connecting to us from a rock-solid, unbudgeable place. What does that mean spiritually? God is connecting to a place from a place that's beyond vessels. Vessels begin with, with Hashem's in intellect. That's where vessels. From the, in other words, God is connecting to us from a, from a place of tohu. Tohu means um, uh, an extreme, an extreme. He's extremely connected to us. Infinite, beyond all considerations. It's irrational, if you can say. It's super logical. And that's called Yemekedem, the ancient days. It's the ancient system. It's not the new system. The new system is the system of Tikkun, where everything is based on reason and logic. That's called the new days, because every day is in a projection. The spherot of Tikkun are called the new days. The old days, Yemekedem, are the, the manifestations of Tohu, or even before Tohu, the, 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 the super-rational commitment of God. And that's where an oath comes from. And therefore, to who did God swear? to our forefathers, because they're connected to super-rational energy, but also to, our, to the tribes. Because even though we said earlier tribes are in the realm of, of uh, vessels and containers, we spoke earlier the 12 tribes, but we said they all have a skull which connects them too to beyond reason. And that's when, and the idea of mate means firm, stubborn, that stubbornness is not based on reason. If we would be reasoning our way through exile, we would have disappeared a long time ago. The Jewish people remained intact in Ejah because we're stubborn with beyond, with uh, Moshe Rabbeinu says it as a praise for the Jewish people that we are an Amkshe Oref, we are stiff-necked people. That's a praise because our connection to God is beyond reason. So it explains, It's higher than reason. This extends also to the tribes. He brings a, a statement of Zohar. I think this is also yeah, in the Idra, that where it speaks about the 13 strands of God's hair, again, which are coming from the super-rational levels of Keter. And over there, too, it says that from there descends yud based Tchumim down to the Shvatim, the yud based Shiftei Avasa to the 13 tribes. Adol Sevash Nishbat Allah, I say, no, you swore to our fathers. I am a Pasha Beshalach, so if you have a Shmelech, Shomash, because I'm a Pasha Gerida, I'm Shacha, Zuzay, in Yvayda, Bemoish, or Rashi Amatis. And this Hamshacha, this stubbornness, this idea of making us into a mata, it comes from Moshe. Moshe, this idea that Moshe speaks to the heads of the tribes. 
Shehu amamshechi is the one who draws down matos, this oath of matos, you swore to our fathers, me and make kedem from the ancient days. In the Mimer, in, in, in uh, Parshas Vayetze, uh, the last Mimer, in Torah, or the Alter Rebbe explains over there that this type of connection to God, that above all reason and understanding, we, he wants to pr- prove that even the Shvatim, even the tribes, which are a much lesser level of godliness, contain such an element. So he says, we know that, that from Lavan kissed the tribes. When Lavan had his goodbye party, Lavan is a wicked guy. He kissed his grand. You, you would think that they wanted to like wipe themselves up from the kiss. Funny story, just what you remember from a child. I had a grandfather. He had a very prickly beard. He lived not close to us. He lived uh, in South America. I remember when he would come and he would always kiss us and I couldn't stand the kiss because I would get all the pricked up from his like prickly beard. And I remember it was always like we would like be embarrassed but we'd go and like always like wipe. <laughs> if, if, if it was like it was uncomfortable to get kissed. So Lavan came and kissed his grandchildren, and that was probably uncomfortable to them. But there's a spiritual meaning that Lavan means the transcendental Lavan, the supernal Lavan. Lavan ha'elyein, loivan ha'elyein, which means that Yaakov, the idea of Yaakov, I'm not going to get into it right now, is the source of the world of Tikkun. Lavan, the father-in-law, the reason he's called white is because he represents the infinite light. Lavan kissing his grandchildren meant that Lavan is drawing down to the children of Yaakov, even though they're in the world of Tikkun. Like we spoke earlier, he's infusing them, and every morning it says, It says spiritually, every morning God infuses into us the supernal Lavan, he puts into us a drop, he drops into us a drip of this, of this intense transcendental love to God and that's what enables it. there he explains how all of our sarusa all our, our avoda should have impact is because we are, we have this this empowerment from this infinite drip that dropped into our soul that gives us the ability to love God with a transcendental love and this is drawn we should be strong like the staffs the power of Esau and that's why the passage continues on it says he says the, the promise that God made, the oath He made with the Shvatim, Oy Mer Selah stands forever. The Kol Mokam Shenema Netzach Selavod, Ain Loy Hefzik, it doesn't have an interruption. The Ayin Me'inyan Selah, B'Parshas Vayikra. Gam Matois, Yesh Loimar. Also Matois, we can say, Hamshacha Mibchinas Eitzachayim. Now he adds another word to Tzemach that Matois also means a Hamshacha, from Eitzachayim. Okay, I wanted to finish Tol Dalit. But I'm scared that I'm dafka. If I'm going to finish Tol Dalit, I'm going to say it very fast and not give explanation. So I'm going to stop over here. And we are going to finish Be'ezer Sashem um, either later today, but I think more likely tomorrow. Um, this was a little bit left for Sif Gimel, and then how this all connects to vows. It's really magnificent. Um, Be'ezer Sashem. Thank you. Please remember what we learned today so we don't have to repeat anything and go right into the explanation in the next class. Everybody have a wonderful, wonderful, godly day.